Hola Madridistas, welcome to the first ever podcast by your favorite Real Madrid fan page, Los Blancos Central. Uh, we're bringing you this uh, as a way to connect with the fans in a different way. Uh, what we've been running this page for the last five and a half years, and we've been bringing to you amazing content in text format pictures, but uh, this is just our way to introduce ourselves on a new platform in a new way. You might not recognize us, but you have read countless articles written by me and him. And uh, so when I tell you <coughs> our names, you will know. Uh, I'm Wolfzer Nine, and with me today we have El Rekinho. And this is uh, Welcome to the First Podcast by LBC. So uh, <coughs> we've been uh, writing articles, we've been posting pictures and all that, trying to give you updates. But since we've built this community over the last couple of years, I think uh, with podcasts, it'll be a different way to connect with the fans. So without further ado, let me introduce to you, uh, Alba Kingo. Hey guys, uh, I hope you guys are doing well. And as we start this new season, it's uh, pretty amazing that we get to do this podcast. And we, I, I, mean, I hope to bring you guys uh, whatever tactical analysis I can offer. And that's pretty much it. You know, why don't we just dive in right to the important stuff? Uh, so today we will, will be starting with the transfer business that Real Madrid has conducted in this window. Uh, we brought two players in. One was uh, Rudiger for a free transfer from Chelsea, and the other one was, you know, Chiomeni for about hundred million. So, how would you value these two transfers? I mean, Rudiger's transfer was kind of a necessity, right? Because uh, we've seen our backline struggle, not in this sense, not in a statistical sense, but in the sense of depth. I mean, Nacho can't keep filling all the gaps that you have anywhere in the backline, right? That's true, yeah. So, Rudiger was kind of a necessity. Getting him on a free was just a bonus that we needed. And as far as Romani is concerned, uh, I feel like that was kind of an overpayment on our part, especially when you had other players available in the market. And sure, many. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. Go. Cool. No, I think like uh, with overpayment, as you mentioned, it's uh, it, it's the market that has been this way since Neymar's transfer. But uh, it's also the bargaining because. People have seen Real Madrid pay hundreds of millions of players before with Hazard, with other players. So they know we have the capacity to pay, which makes them, you know, exploit us in a way by putting these ridiculous uh, price tags. But it's also not just paying that much money for one player. It's also to secure the signing and stop other teams from getting it. So even though I, I also don't think the price tag is justified for the player, but it is the reality today in the market that this is the money you're going to have to pay for players like Germany. In no way I'm saying Germany is a bad player or not worth his price tag, but it's just, again, sort of a situation in the, like in, a, in the transfer market now. And with Rudiger, I'll say that it was a long time coming that the players been interested with Madrid. Madrid was interested with him. To get a player of that caliber on free, I think like if you look at it, we got two players for 100 million. So let's say would you, you wouldn't have uh, paid 100 million for Rudiger, but you would have paid 50. So let's just think of this as you know, we paid 50 million each for two players, and that's how we did the business. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm an economic student, I always think of this in a more economical way, but 
if you look at it, you know, for our own satisfaction, yeah. it's not a bad way to look at it. You know? Yeah, you can always look at it in that way. But my whole point with Shomani and his fear is that he's always going to be a backup to Casemiro. Casemiro has age on his side. Casemiro is an undisputed starter. And as a long-time critic of Casemiro, I yeah, have no, fully, been, yeah, huge critic of Casemiro. And I have no doubt that Casemiro will be the starter, of course. He will be the starter. And I feel it's completely justified. He's improved leaps and bounds the last two years. Oh, I'm not criticizing him. He's improved a lot. So... Well, uh, in terms of like price tag, I think it puts a pressure on the player as well because he will be seen as a hundred million player, not as just like a twenty-three-year-old central defensive midfielder. He will be a hundred million, yeah. like a defensive midfielder. Exactly. So it does put pressure on him. So the thing is, like price tag is no way justified on any like, parties, but the situation sort of demands these kind of money to be spent. But uh, I don't know. We'll see how it's how he performs in the future. Yeah. But I, I really like him. Like I saw him in preseason. He's a solid player. He's only going to get better from here on, hopefully. But yeah. we'll, we'll see. And for Rudiger, he's proved himself. So I'm actually very happy to see him. As long as he's not going to be a left back, as I should only play him. As well. Exactly. I think, yeah. I think it's going to be a great sign. <clears throat> but, uh, and we also have some departures. From the team as well. So Marcelo left. We uh, let Isco go. We let Bale go, which was good. Sooner or later, we all saw that coming. Uh, we all saw we that saw coming. That. As much as somebody who's lived in Cardiff for many years, yeah. seeing Bale leave was not something I was looking forward to. I loved that player since the day he signed for Madrid, and yeah. the way it ended, like it's not justified. But again, it's good on him. It's good on us. We could gracefully part ways, I think, if we if we ignore the bullshit last couple of years. Yeah, uh, he won the Champions League in his last season, so that's all. That's what his legacy is going to say with five trophies. But uh, <clears throat> and Isco left as left as well, and he's joined Sevilla, which I don't actually like. Not not for him, but for us because it's a great player under a great coach in a good team. Because Sevilla last year, for the most part, were challenging us for the top spot before they started dropping points. So Isco to Sevilla is going to be a threatening signing, especially with Barcelona on the rise. I think it's going to be an interesting season as well. And with Lopetegui, because Lopetegui and Isco yeah, have always been a combination. Like, remember like when uh, the season when he was managing Spain and Isco yeah. had this crazy performances against Italy against Argentina. I know. He ran circles around Verratti. I saw that match. And uh, like even when he started with Madrid in the first like, the game against Roma, he scored that free kick, and he was running the show. Like, everyone thought Benzema or Bale would take the center stage, and it turned out to be Isco. But you know, it was all downhill from that Roma game. Mariano scored that goal. <laughs> that was that was the worst season in my memory, where we literally were helpless every in every department. Okay. So let's talk about Rudiger first, right? Yes, yeah, we've seen him. We've seen him play for Chelsea in a back three. And the thing that stood out with Rudiger for me was the fact that he always made these uh, runs into the midfield, and he was almost dictating play from the midfield into the final third. So I was just checking up some of his stats on every rep, 
and you know you know where Rudiger stands as a threat to opposition box passing. He's in the top ninety-seven percentile when it comes to passes into final third in the box. So Jesus, that's that's a great stat to have in the def- defender actually. And you know, when you're pressing uh, high and you have this you know player in the back trying to dictate the play, that's it's something that Ramos used to do in Madrid. So I think oh, it's absolutely yeah. This guy has the highest progressive passes alongside Alaba, and he's uh, top ten percent of all defenders in passing stats. So it is an absolutely opposite statistical profile to what we have in Militao. True. And I mean, the distribution is not something to rave about or even discuss. <laughs> so, but, I feel like he's going to replace Meritao, man. Okay, so moving on to Chomeni. Okay, so let's start with his physical attributes, right? So this guy is tall. This guy is a powerful header of the ball. And he, in League One, like last year, for Monaco, he had, uh, I think he won, uh, uh, let me check, Around eighty percent of his aerial duels, and compared with centre backs, not centre backs like CDM from across the five leagues, he was amongst the top fifteen percent in aerial duels won. So this guy is good in the air. This guy, you can't just loop the ball above the midfield and not happen to find this guy. He'll win those aerial duels for you, which Casemiro also does pretty well. I mean, he's Would great. you say like he's the kind of player who's too creative to be just a centre back, uh, but not as good defensively to be a centre back? I hope you're getting that point. Let's see, because his physicality would be like, oh, it's the centre back's physicality. He wouldn't argue yeah. against it. But maybe he's not as good defensively to be a centre back and too creative to like to just be a centre back and he can play in field. I think the main point that goes against the centre-back argument for him is that he's too reckless with his tackles and he doesn't really read the game as well as you want a centre-back to. See, this guy is physically, I mean, there's no doubt about it. But when you watch uh, any scouting analysis or any kind of any sort of video compilation of this guy, you know that he fouls a lot. He gives too many fouls away and he's one of the highest, uh, like, how do you say it? Highest reckless tacklers in Europe for the last season. Or like the tackles lost, basically. Or like fouls made. Yeah, fouls made, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, yeah. The players that right? should leave but aren't leaving are, in my opinion, is Mariano, who's wasting his career for the last three years sitting on the bench at Madrid. And Asensio, who I think is a very good player, who will do amazing for, let's say, a team like Arsenal, a team like Tottenham. I don't know why I'm using these names. No disrespect to those fans. I'm just saying he is a player good enough for you guys because you know, you're a European material anyway. <laughs> but uh, for Madrid, like we need a competent right wing because more majority of our goals come from the left. More majority of our play is from the left. Vinicius and Benzema on the right, we're sort of crippled unless a, like uh, sorry Rodrigo comes in saves the day. But you, you can't keep having the same formula because teams are going to recognize it and trying to break it down. So I think a right wing signature is important. Okay. Which is also so, a question asked by many fans, by the way, like, oh, what are we doing with the right wing? Uh-huh. As far as Mariano is concerned, I don't think he wants to be a footballer anymore. Because any serious footballer would 
would leave Madrid. Don't have that haircut. <laughs> Don't have the haircut. I don't know if you saw that haircut. It looks like, do uh, that uh, star sign? I think the Aries with the horns. Yeah, a serious footballer would not have that haircut, and he would have just left. At least Bale had a hobby; he was playing golf. You know? Yeah, I don't know There's one thing for sure. He's enjoying his fat paycheck. He's enjoying his life in Madrid. He's getting fatter by the day, and he comes in for like uh, ten minutes every season. Sometimes he scores in classicos, and that's great for him. But you can't have that kind of a player in your ranks. You cannot. Yeah, I mean, it's good for bad Who are you, Asensio, to just score one goal and just bask in glory for the next season? Exactly. No, but I have a very different point of view on Asensio. You know, let's just not talk about Mariano. That guy is pretty much irrelevant. I don't think Ancelotti sees him in any of his plans this season, anyway. So I don't know if a lot of people have noticed this, but Asensio, statistically, is on par with Rodrigo over the last two seasons. Over the last two seasons, he's contributed as much as Rodrigo has. In shot creating actions, in goal creating actions, in key passes, even though he's probably played around the same or even lesser minutes than Rodrigo, the the thing where Rodrigo stands out is when you're watching the match and when you're judging these players using the eye test. Rodrigo stands out because he's faster, he's more agile, and he puts in a lot more defensive effort. So I think that comes through to the fans, and Asensio just doesn't do all those things. So he he's kind of a villain, you know. He's a very polarizing figure. People who like him, they love him. The people who don't like him always use Rodrigo as an argument to kind of pit against him and to stop justifying his place in the squad. See, he's not he's not a permanent starter for Real Madrid, for sure. At least in two thousand and twenty-two, he is not. And he could be looking for a new club, but I wouldn't just want to push him out of the club for no reason, because he's been contributing yeah, exactly. as much as Rodrigo has and. He's always a good option to have uh, in your ranks. Not a permanent one, but okay. Stopgap when Rodrigo's injured, when Rodrigo's not playing well alongside Valverde, you can always have him in your ranks. And he obviously has that banger of a left foot, so oh, it's not bad. Like Madrid wouldn't want to push anyone out, like we because everything uh, Asensio has done for the club, we. Wouldn't want to just you know kick him out or force him out like Barcelona is doing with Dion, you know, just trying to throw some shit at Barcelona here. But <clears throat> uh, I think it's good for Asensio's sake as well that he goes to a team where he's starting every game or like most games and he's doing what he's, he does for Madrid. And as you said, with Rodrigo, it's more of a cult figure. It, it becomes like imagine what he did against City. Like we're going to be talking about this to our children and. By our grandchildren, because this is something stuff of dreams. You don't just forget it easily. So it's exactly. again with the fans as well. It just sticks in their head like he's a savior, like it becomes a figure. But uh, as you said, on paper and in the game, both players are putting in exactly the same amount of impact. Even though in the end, it just sort of looks like Rodrigo is doing much more. But uh, again, I think Rodrigo's younger, faster. He puts in more effort. And as well, so he would have a future. But with Asensio, again, there's other stuff. Too far, he did miss a season through injury, like almost a whole season. Yeah. And you know what? There's another aspect to this whole Asensio and Rodrigo thing. Our attack is so focused down the left that we almost 
we almost never push the ball through the right side unless there's like a semi transition or a counter and that really but it's like the other if you look at the other way around maybe we don't press like have an attack from the right because we don't have a competent option from the right that, that's because very it, possible it can, be, it can go both, both ways imagine we have someone like nabri or sani on the right hmm. then you wouldn't be like oh just playing from one side because you know vinicius was a player even like when he wasn't scoring goals in his first season we still had that thing we were playing for more from the left even his even his decision making at the final third was and a symbolic it's more about like because on the right we didn't have as good an option it was bale who wasn't who was injured or like not putting in much effort since he was out for the whole season and rodrigo wasn't in the picture then he was still at santos so maybe that's yeah. the thing. Like we don't have competent options, right? Obviously, that's one of the factors that that's playing into this kind of lopsided attacking flow. But I feel like Cruz and Benzema they predominantly uh, position themselves on the left, and that really plays a lot into our attack flowing from the left. And I mean, yeah, and at a time when Marcelo was uh, kind of the attacking linchpin on the left side. So that was one big reason you had Cristiano, and even when Bale was in his prime, our attack didn't really happen much from the right. So I think this is this has been an issue with Madrid that we haven't utilized both the sides properly now for a while, and Ancelotti needs to to start starting to sort out something because the right wing can't you know, be there all like, the time. You no, know, it's like you know if you're a right-handed person, you will never gonna use your left hand to write. It's like if my yeah. right hand is good enough, why do I need to? But one day when your right hand is injured, then you realize, oh my, I'm gonna to have to I'm make two with this now. So, exactly. You should, yeah. So it's like you can't go into the season. As I said, like teams are gonna read it. They're gonna be as you know with Barcelona on the right. They're like they don't care on the left. They know it's Vinicius, so they put uh, Araujo on the right back, even though it's not his national position, and it does an amazing job of stopping Vinicius. So. It's not just going to be them. It's going to, everyone's going to be looking into this. So we would need both avenues to be open and producing at least chances. But now moving True. on to chances, it's we need someone who puts them away and we need competence uh, back up for Benzema, which we all know is not Mayoral, is not Latasa, is not uh, Jovic, and it's not My, uh, Mariano. So we, who would you go in market or what do you think is a better option in the market right now? I mean, we obviously there's a scarcity of great strikers in the market. I would have gone for Gabriel Jesus for sure. Yeah. But we just didn't. We were so invested with the Mbappe signing, we probably didn't think of him before. And this. We sudden, made a lot of mistakes with Mbappe. We made a lot of mistakes with Mbappe, and I think Chouameni for 18 million is also one of those things that happen out of a knee jerk from Mbappe rejecting us, and then. You know, this is a rebound board, signing. Yeah, it, it's exactly a rebound signing. The board just went into this mad frenzy and they started splashing on a midfielder. Okay, that's fine. That's done with. But as as long as you're talking about forwards, I don't think there's anyone who can do Benzema's job better than him, or even be a backup to him. Because the way Benzema plays, there's very few players who can do that. And from the top of my head, there aren't really a lot of backup strikers. Who can do exactly what Benzema does? So unless not you, you make a tactical shift and you make a game plan shift, you cannot replace Benzema. 
with someone who's just you cannot expect someone to come in the 70th minute and start banging goals yeah i mean like or just actually hears this anyway playing modric as center forward is not going to work just saying in case he, he wants to try it again please like we yeah. beg you we don't <laughs> want to see that again but uh, we tried hazard as a center forward um, which is not going to work it either. was just one it was just 45 minutes so i don't think we gave it a real shot because you see like the qualities the center forward needs hazard has them he has finishing he can you know he can make the play he's quick he can dribble so i think he has those qualities he just needs some time we just need to give him some time in case we don't sign anything i think hazard will be that backup because to be honest where is he going to play if it's not as a backup for center forward because I, I can't seem to think of a place that he will be playing or starting. Honestly, I don't see Hazard having any place in the team right now. And as long as uh, being a backup for center forward is concerned, Hazard has never played there throughout his career. He's always been sort of an auxiliary left winger who's moved in and broken lines and then scored some, some great goals, but he's never been a volume goal scorer. And, uh, yeah, like he wasn't a player we brought in to score 40 goals a season. That was yeah. given all the time. But it's a very difficult case with Hazard. Like there were injuries involved, there were uh, bad performances, and there were people like Rodrigo and Vinicius rising to occasions. So in Madrid, like we don't just sub start players because they're the big name, we start them for the form. And I think, as you said, there's no like fixed position for Hazard to start in. Yeah, I mean, if if he really impresses Ancelotti in the training, maybe he can start a few games out left. And but I don't see Vinicius sitting on the bench for Hazard as long as it's not Copa no, del Rey or something no like chance. that. Yeah, there's there's no chance now. As long as center forward is concerned, Hazard will only start there for a long enough time if Benzema is seriously injured, which I hope does not happen, because I don't think he can do what Benzema does. And after three years of not performing at his usual levels and just staying on the bench for most of this time, I don't think he has what it is to come back to his best for Madrid. I reckon like we still need to be in the market for either a right wing or a center forward because it is you know need of the hour. It's because there's a window to this. Like you can't just think like oh we'll buy it when we need it. It's not that like we need to prepare now. Because you never know what can happen. Like people get injured, it's a reality, and then it's going to be a season ruined. So we can't yeah, exactly. count. Right winger, I don't know. We could have gotten so agree, but that ship has sailed. I think he's already has he signed a new contract with Bayern. You mean Nabri? Yeah, I think Nabri has signed a new contract with Bayern, but again, it okay. can be just to inflate his price because. Coutinho did that with Liverpool. He signed a new contract, and then within a th- couple mm. of months, he did sign for Barcelona. Inflated his price. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, moving on to the season ahead, uh, there is it, we're competing for six trophies. Well, Club World Cup is a question mark. Apparently, it might not go ahead. It, apparently, it might. But still, there are six trophies to be won, and there's World Cup for players. So it's going to be a very hefty schedule for all the players. And as we know, uh, if you remember 2018 World Cup, Modric made it all the way to the final. And the season after that, he was fatigued. 
Cruz, even though he didn't go all the way in, he wasn't his usual self. So would you say that it does make an impact on players playing the World Cup? Obviously, obviously. The World Cup always uh, ends up being damaging to the physical status of a player in the long run. And considering the timing of the World Cup this time, it's at, at such an off time, in the middle of the season, it will definitely impact how the second half of the season goes. And it will also impact the first half of the season, considering a lot of players would want a lot of game time and there'd be some unsettling talks in the dressing room regarding that. Especially the likes of Asensio, Rodrigo, maybe Kamavinga, Chuameni, because these play- these players are fighting for high-stake places in teams that are filled to the brim. So there's going to be some talks regarding who plays, how much. And then absolutely after the World Cup, you will see fatigue setting, you will see injuries. You can see injuries during the course of the World Cup, which is very common because these matches are being played in Qatar. Again, that's like the hotbed, a hot zone, whatever you call it. I mean, they have ACs in the stadium, so we only know it's going to be not as bad, I guess, for the players. I mean, I wouldn't mind playing the stadium with ACs. Absolutely. But I don't know how much of a difference uh, an AC makes to the stadium. I mean, I don't know what kind of AC. It has never happened. It has never happened. We've never had a World Cup in the middle of winter. But uh, hopefully it's a good tournament to watch. But again, as we said, like, the incentives of players changes and managers because for managers it's they don't care about the work that they want they want they want their season to be good so they will be choosing the players they know or they they think will be the best for the team but again the players will have different incentives they want to do better they'll ask for more game time even on the pitch they might have different you know decisions like if you want goals maybe you're trying to be more selfish it will happen but uh it's again if the World Cup was in the middle of uh, the usual time, middle of summer, we probably wouldn't have these many problems going into the season. Like, yeah, in the beginning, players are fatigued, but through the season, you get a better picture. Now it's like everything's unclear what's going to happen. So, I mean, Mancelotti, that's why he needs to manage the players well, because there is fatigue, then there is also uh, players' forms, and then giving chances to all the players while we're competing for trophies. And actually, he's a kind of person who's been known to not rotate the squad as much. Oh, yeah. We saw a lot of that last season, right? But again, as I mentioned earlier, that, yeah, as I said earlier, uh, before we started the podcast, like, uh, Ancelotti is a Madrid manager and Madrid managers don't play for the future, they play for the present. It's like, you are here today, you don't know if you're going to be there tomorrow. So unless you do well today, you're not going to be here tomorrow. So that's why Ancelotti doesn't have the luxury to just, you know, lose any games or like lose trophies. It's more like if he doesn't win anything, he's gone the next year. It doesn't matter what he did the year before. But I still so feel I Ancelotti... That's also one of the things. Yeah, and I still feel Ancelotti is going into the season very relaxed considering the kind of trophies we won last year. He's got to try and experiment and he knows he has this job for at least a year. Unless we yeah, I mean, like he's not going to be sacked mid-season, yeah. of course, but we yeah. never know the next year. I think he's still pretty relaxed, and I, I, I might even go as far as to say that he's a bit casual, not signing a backup striker, letting go of every other striker that we have, not signing a right winger, and then 
yeah, I feel like he's a bit too relaxed going into the season. And it's true. In Madrid, you can't rely on your past laurels or what you did the season before. Every season you start like, this is going to be a last season if you don't perform. Exactly. So, yeah, so... I do get the point of him not rotating, but given the World Cup and all the tournaments, I think it is extremely necessary. Like, look at Modric. Like, he played almost every game last season. And for some reason, he looked like he was aging backwards. But it, it can't go on forever. He's, he's 38. He's going to take a toll on his health. So we, it's going to be interesting how Ancelotti manages the players because in midfield is packed right now. I think we have excellent options all over the pitch. But again, it's the forwards and defense, how he's going to set up. Uh, do, you, do you think, Ancelotti, like we will be seeing this three-man backline for Madrid? As you said, Ancelotti hasn't played this ever. I don't know about ever, maybe like in Italy. I'm not sure, but the circumstances and the situations, they can lead us to a three-man backline. It's obviously not a certainty because he has preferred four people at the back. And he will continue to do that this season, at least for the start. If you don't see results, he might switch to a three-man backline with the midfield of Casemiro, Cruz, Modric, and uh, Valverde. With a three-man front line of uh, Vinicius, Benzema, and then third place is always up for grabs. You can have Asensio there. You can have Rodrigo there. And with Valverde, you can actually play Asensio there because then he takes up all the wing space. And Asensio can actually cut inside and, you know, shoot at the goal more often rather than just uh, being sidelined on the right. So something like a 3-4-3, we might yeah. get to see that. The main problem with the 3-4-3 is that you can't play Mendy in that, mm -hmm. in a 3-4-3 setup because you have to have uh, Vinicius in the lineup. That's a fact now. And on the left side, if you see Vinicius, Cruz, is not a great defensive cover. Alaba, I don't know how good his recovery runs are, but they're not better than Mendy. Mendy is absolutely the the best left back we have in our ranks right now, for sure. Maybe not going forward, but but as a defensive asset, Mendy is he needs to play. He needs to play a lot of games. So again, that's one thing that stops us from going into this three-man backline. And we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, no, an interesting fact about Ancelotti is, uh, you know, he's won five, like the top five leagues, but yeah. he's only ever won it once. Like all the trophies, he's yeah. only won it once. So it'll be interesting to see how he's going to go through the season because he needs to defend the La Liga title. And if you look at the last 20 years, I don't think we've ever won the La Liga twice in a row. So for Madrid, oh, yeah. for Ancelotti, He's never won, like, we haven't won the league twice in a row, and he has never won the league twice in his career. And we, I think we ended up on 86 points last year. So to think like, oh, 86 was a winning total last year, it might not be this year. Like, going to 86 points isn't as easy, but it's not as difficult as well, because it's going to be depending on where Barcelona finish. Because as I said, they are a title contender. It's the part of the to outscore. Yeah. I mean, Barca are fighting tooth and nail for the title this season. Let's not talk about how bad their financial situation is because we don't really get to know the details of that. Yeah. 
And if they let's somehow assume manage... that every everything will be signed. Like let's just assume yeah. that everything every player will yeah. be signed and registered. And if you add Bernardo, it, yeah. If you add Bernardo Silva into that mix, it's it's a very it's a it's a lethal team. You you just can't ex- escape them if they have Bernardo Silva. Yeah, because they have on and uh, then they have this. They have Lewandowski now. And who plays I mean, on the left? If you look at the forward line, there's Lewandowski, there's uh, Ansukati, Dembele, Ferran Torres, Depay, Aubameyang. I don't know if I'm forgetting someone, but it's packed. In the midfield, it is like they have quality all over the pitch. And in defensive side, Kunde, Christensen. I don't know if I'm forgetting someone that they signed because they signed a lot of players. Uh, Josh Sagan is, is quality. He's not been at his best what he was like a couple of years ago, but he's still a competitive keeper. And uh, yeah, like if they sign, like they register everyone, they are going to be title challengers. So our job will be to do to beat them on the points. So 86 points might not be enough this year. And actually, they will have to think about that. So again, that makes an issue of rotating the squad. He might not want to go for it because he will know that it is... Uh, is going to be a difficult thing to lose points or like even risk losing points against smaller teams. Absolutely, yeah. And I think this is going to be a hundred point season for Barca because <laughs> it Xavi is surprised. Like if uh-huh. you know, is he's done it wonders since he's signed all the players. Because after the January window, we've seen completely different Barcelona. They've barely oh. lost any points. The beat is four 0 Probably one of the worst games I've seen Real Madrid play this season, like last season. The preseason was the PSG no first leg. The, the, you know, the first leg against uh, PSG, you think like, oh, you can't do worse than that until the Barcelona yeah. game came along. But uh, the two key takeaways I would like to draw from the preseason was that like Barcelona looked very good, and the second one being we need Benzema backup because we just cannot survive without a Benzema backup. Who would you rather have instead of Benzema? I mean, just imagine the scenario a, where Benzema is injured. Yeah. yeah, who's your choice? Well, as I said, like if let's say, imagine we don't end up signing anyone, I would want Hazard to rise to the occasion and do the job because I think he has the qualities to do it. But if we were to enter the market, as as, uh, as you said as well, Hayes was obvious choice. Gabriel Hayes is doing great at Arsenal, and he's always been a great player. For as a central forward uh, or just out and out striker, he's been quite good. One thing that really upsets me is that Jovic couldn't be that player to take over from Benzema because I really rated him when he was in Bundesliga. Uh, I never thought never he could be out. that player, you know. I, I wrote a post, I mean, a lot of people bashed me for being pessimistic and whatnot. When we signed, I, I don't even know, I don't think we even signed Jovic at that point, but it was when we were in talks to sign him. And there were rumors going around, uh, so I wrote a post. It was, it got popular for all the wrong reasons. And uh, I mean, it's like he's a he's a cold striker. Benzema is somebody who drops very deep, makes the play, takes the team forward with him. Jovic is your cold striker, your classic poacher. I mean, there's no doubt that he's good in the air. Like he has all the striker qualities, but not a centre forward qualities. You know what I mean? Like he plays like a false nine, drops deep. Yeah, but he so, was, he was as a, yeah. in a sense a one-season wonder, right? He had one great season at the top, 
you can't just flash 60 million on a player who's he just had one. He wasn't even top. Like, he was more like in Bundesliga. He wasn't yeah, even at the really. top, as one would say. But uh, I, don't, I really liked him as a player. And uh, he was young. He was exciting to watch. But I think he just didn't fit. Probably just didn't work out with Madrid. Do you know who um, can do well at the centre-forward stage in case Benzema is absent? I think Rodrigo is a great player to take that role. I think Rodrigo can play centre-forward. choice. Yeah. I've actually never considered because I see all this. It's like, you know, it's a player's like you just fit in your mind as a winger or like right back or left back something. It's very difficult to imagine them doing anything else. But uh, I think it's an interesting choice to have Rodrigo because uh, yeah, he can make play in the middle. I don't know about his... Uh, play in the middle because I've never seen him play there. Yeah, but, because uh, uh, he was a striker back in Brazil. He was mm-hmm. essentially an inside forward who would stay on the left initially and then drive into the box. So he has a great sense of positioning himself in the box. We saw it with that Man City goal where he just came out of nowhere and just shadowed, I don't know which player, and just overtook him and scored that goal. That was insane. That got us back into the match. Rodrigo has that box sense. He can play inside a packed box and uh, he can make great runs. Obviously, he's a good dribbler. And I don't know if he can hold up play as well or even as or even close to Benzema. But uh, he's definitely you say, a great option. Would you say he has the physicality of a center forward or like a striker? Because he, he I looks more like a you know, winger. Yeah, I mean, he's nimble in that sense. He's agile and stuff. But I don't think modern centre-forwards need to have a lot of physicality. Dream signing I would have liked to have is a player I really enjoy watching is Jamie Vardy. And oh. I think he's an excellent striker and he can he can make play. He has like a mean right foot. He can score from anywhere. But again, I don't think he'll leave Leicester. Also, I mean, for a backup, he's not a bad choice if you think about it. But I was like, he was playing in Sunday League working as a handyman. Oh, he made oh, it to like Leicester, then he made it to you know to play Champions League football. So imagine him ending it up at Madrid would be the kind of you know dreams you would talk about in football, like you know sky's the limit, that kind of thing. It would be I a mean, great story a, for him and for football. Isn't there a movie being made on this guy, or has it been made already? There's I something in the have world. No idea. There is something in the works. There, there has to be because. Yeah, as, I, as you know, I love stories. I love writing them. I love seeing, I see, see stories everywhere. So something, somebody like Body ending up at Madrid would be a dream scenario for him and for like fans as well because it just shows that you know, dreams can happen. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's, that's great from a storyline point of view. But yeah, mm-hmm. I still feel that there's a lot of other players who could end up at Madrid and who did not end up in Madrid, this transfer window, but that's that's that. I mean, we can just yeah, that's neither here nor there. So it's more like I don't think we're in the market anymore because the report suggests we are not going for any striker signings. So okay. that's a bummer. But uh, I don't, things can change anytime. It's like you see a good opportunity. I think Madrid will take it. So let's you know keep our hopes alive for that. And uh, now let's move, move on to the last section, which is the preview for the Super Cup. As we said, like the winner of the Champions League plays against the winner of the Europa League. Where does the winner of Conference League go? What do they do? 
Like, what's the point of Conference League then if there's not going to be a Super Cup? Thing? Do they qualify for the Europa League next season? Is there something in provision? Yeah, they qualify for Europa League, but again, it's going to be it's a European competition, even though it's a third tier. Do you know what would be a great scenario? The winners of Europa League and Conference League play each other to play, you know, the winner of Champions League in the final. That would be a better format, wouldn't you think? So everyone gets a chance to play there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just can't discount teams playing in the Conference League, right? And yeah, it's exactly. a Mourinho so side, if you have like, made the tournament. Yeah. And if it's a Mourinho side, you never know. They might come out as winners of. They might end up winning the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. They might end up winning the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. So, the guy's never lost a final in his life, so I wouldn't bet against him. But uh, yeah, no, I think that would be a better format because see, Super Cup is a kind of a trophy. If you win it, nobody gives a shit. Like nobody's gonna bring what? Oh, we won the Super Cup. Like unless you are some yes. typical fans. But uh, if it's uh, if you lose it, everyone's gonna give you shit. Like it's there's no upside shield, to right? it. Exactly, yeah. it's like community shield. Like nobody's gonna praise you for it, but they're gonna give you a lot of shit for losing it. Exactly. And, uh, but again, it's a trophy. It's part of the whole bunch that you go with. Like we won two out of the three big trophies, and now it's reward for winning that. So, I mean, yeah, we everybody would want to win that trophy, but again, not winning it would just—it's just there's just downside to it. And uh, with the form Frankfurt are in, I mean, it's even worse if we end up being on the loser's side. Oh, definitely. They got hammered. They got hammered by Bayern. I mean, you just—you just know, like. Yeah. They're gonna rise to the occasion and they're gonna put on the show. But uh, moving on to the more technical stuff, uh, and in terms of starting lineup, Ancelotti had already said that the team that would start against Juventus in the preseason would be starting against <clears throat> uh, Frankfurt in the Super Cup. So that would mean the team that essentially started the Champions League final, which was we all know, like the you know, front three of uh, Valverde on the right, Vinicius left, Benzema center, usual KCM, and the usual back four. I think it's a good enough team because Ancelotti doesn't want players who weren't in the Champions League last season to be part of the team because they think he still thinks it's part of the last year's trophies. Uh, do you think it's a good enough lineup to go through? Because I would like to see Rodrigo start this time actually because just get to give him a shot. I mean, one way they're starting there is a good enough option for me. Rodrigo can always come in the 60th minute, 70th minute, whenever Ancelotti sees fit. To get him in the team, but Valverde this just gives you that that bit more dynamism in the midfield, and uh, you know Frankfurt play a three-four-three. Three. I'm saying yeah. Costage isn't playing, so he used to play left wing, I think. So the reason Valverde started in the final, I guess, uh, of the Champions League was to keep uh, Luis Diaz at bay, and it would just provide extra protection on the left to Carvajal. So I think uh, Valverde not starting wouldn't be the biggest, you know, issue in the world. Because it would just mean like we're more competent in attack in from the start if Rodrigo's starting. So, uh, but again, I think Ancelotti is going to go with his uh, usual Champions League final starter. Yeah, I mean, you can always make a case for Rodrigo starting because he's obviously the better attacker of the two. But I, I still feel that against a four-man midfield that sometimes ends up being a five-man midfield. You need extra legs in the midfield, uh, and uh, Rodrigo out wide is is not my highest priority. I'd rather have uh, Valverde out wide, 
who can also tuck inside and then let Carvajal make runs in space behind the three-man back line rather than, you know, Rodrigo struggling on the right and us struggling in the midfield. That's not a great option for me. I mean, nobody's denying what Valverde did in Champions League final. He, on the right, he did made an amazing play, the assist to Vinicius. Did you see, like, he has a frame of that assist from the final? Like, he's, it's like, uh, you know, usual football pitch design. And there's, like, dots, like, Liverpool players and him with Vinicius and, like, a straight line that goes to the, for the assist. Oh, I had no idea. He's made, like, I a frame. No he's, like, he made a frame of it and put it in his house. I would have done the same, honestly. If, if I made same. that assist in the final. <laughs> And that um, wasn't even an assist, right? He wanted to shoot, and that ended up. This is, again, there's a big argument about this, and I'm very touchy that because I know it was a driven cross, so it it makes sense it came from the laces. But people will be like, "No, it was a shot," which I don't actually think it was a shot. But it, I think only Valverde knows, and he's not going to say that in an interview. He admitted to it being uh, a shot, isn't he? I actually don't know, but as far as I want to. Th- believe because you see that even though there's something not true i would sometimes like to stay in the dark and just convince myself that that's the truth yeah so I mean, as they say like uh, ignorance is bliss i'm just gonna ignore that well, it was that's shot, exactly what i was like, gonna say yeah. that's exactly <laughs> ignorance is bliss, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah and that's exactly think, why uh, we're ignoring all the strikers in the world and just sticking with benzema uh, so. looking f- forward to tomorrow's game. I think it's going to be a very interesting game because Frankfurt is a kind of team that can surprise you if people remember the game against Barcelona. The goals that oh, they conceded. I love that game. I love that game. Yeah. Like the second game, a goal from, I think it was Bodrick. Uh, it was just a rocket. Like it, I don't know how he flew in. Just boom, it, just, it was in. And so they can't surprise you. It's not going to be an easy game. Madrid is going to be on their toes the whole game. And it's a formation we don't we're not used to playing against three four three, so it will be interesting if it's if that's the format they go with or if they're gonna have something new that they're gonna come up with. But uh, I think our team is good enough, decent form, not the best, but good enough to go through with it. And Ancelotti will raise his eyebrow and probably will score three in the extra time. You never know. 